Live from the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 284, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. This is Becca. And Albert will be joining us shortly. He's auctioning. <clears throat> He's auctioning. Today we are going to discuss postal stationery color paper varieties. Oh, yes. But first, welcome to new members David B. from Columbia, Missouri, and Chris H. from Suffolk, Virginia. Your membership certificates are in the mail. Chris also sent us a copy of a certificate for the 25-cent B-stamp coil, Scott number 2281. That is the honey bee, not the letter B. That has a strange mark on it. Oh, well, I can I can read it and know that, I guess, but that makes more sense because it does say <laughs> B-E-E. The certificate, which isn't from PSE, says the mark is a hard wiper blade streak. Oh, I think that happens often with bees that hit my windshield. <laughs> We will hold the certificate up to the microphone, but for those who cannot see this through their radio, it is a strip of three coil B stamps with, Bumblebee, the, buzz, 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 bee. with the plate number at the bottom, and it has a perfectly straight line of black going through the three stamps, and it is noted that it is below the tagging ink. So, pre-canceled. No, I'm kidding. So, what is a hard wiper blade streak? Well, let's first discuss how stamps are printed today. We have gone over rotary stamps and flat plate stamps in the past, but today we have litho, litho stamps or lithography and photogravure, and there are many different types of each of these. Every year, 40 billion stamps are printed in the United States. 40 billion. Yeah, with, and it's amazing that you know with, most with, high school kids don't know what a stamp is. Or With where the, to put them on the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the non-buzzing bee. Yeah, my uh, kid was helping me stuff envelopes. And he put the stamps on the left side of the envelope, sort of in the middle, as opposed to the right upper corner. And this was going out for, as a dues announcement for the National Stamp Dealers Association. <laughs> so all these stamp dealers got it. And I uh, put out an email going, yeah, I'm not going to re-envelope these, but be aware that, you know, 12-year-old, 13-year-old kids don't know where to put stamps. The Bureau of Engraving and Printing used to print all the stamps until 2005 when it stopped. Now there are three private companies approved to print U.S. stamps. Those companies are Avery, Ashton Potter, and the Banknote Corporation of America. It's not just Avery, it's Avery Dennison. They're yes, because I was going to say, isn't Avery the ones who make like labels for your printer? Yes, they're they're they do make they're a big maker of like mailing labels and other things that you sticky get. things. Yeah, the Bureau of Engraving and Printing does still make currency though and other stuff, so they're not out of business. They just don't print stamps. 
The paper roll that stamps are printed on is four and a half kilometers long. And for those not into metrics, a kilometer is the distance from one point to another point, which is one kilometer away. Ouch. Okay. So 4.5 kilometers, or 2.8 miles of paper, are in that roll, and it will be turned into stamps in just over 30 minutes, which equates to about 6,300 sheets of stamps. As an example, if that roll was turned into the $4.80 Mount Rushmore stamp, there would be $5.5 million worth of stamps on a single roll. That's something to think about. Yeah, and it'd take you three minutes to drive over them all. (laughs) (laughs) The printing companies use several printers, each of which prints one single color of ink. The order of the ink on the presses is black, then blue, then red, then yellow, and then the tagging phosphorescent coating. And just an FYI, the Mount Rushmore stamp was printed in just three and a half days and 50 million stamps with a total face value of about $250 million were printed. There way, to, is, way to make money. Oh, yeah. There is a fantastic YouTube on this. I strongly suggest everybody uh, look at it. It's How It's Made Postage Stamps, and it's by Triwood1973. So how it's made postage stamps. They have a fantastic video on this. From 1973? No, the name of the person is probably George Trywood, and he was probably born in 1973. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought the video was done in 1973. So I was like, wow. No. I've seen that on like Discovery Channel or whatever. That was a really early YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's... It's been around for quite a while, but it is interesting. I watch it every once in a while. Yeah, I think I've seen it maybe four or five times. It's uh, made in Britain, but they talk about printing a U.S. stamp, so I thought that was rather interesting. Well, the interesting thing was when um, when I was at the show in New York in 2016, the big mega show every 10 years, I uh, they had displays from, I think it was Ashton Potter, that's who they talk about in the uh, video, yeah. Ashton Potter, because um, they're in Boston. And, and I had, oh, I must have had, I think it was the, at that time it was like the, the flag and fireworks stamp that was imperf. And I, I, you know, I wanted to talk to the, to the rep there about, um, about it. And he basically refused to talk to me about anything production related, mm-hmm. period. I mean, no, they can't exist. They don't exist, and we won't even consider it. <laughs> Explain this. It doesn't Go exist. Away. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they really refused. Whereas the Bureau of Engraving and Printing, if you addressed them, they would always respond and tell you, well, this happened or that yeah. happened or, you know, is it missing an ink? Is it what happened? And they, they're very upfront and open i mean it might take you a little while to get a response but you know if, if you talk to the bureau of engraving and printing they would talk they would talk to you and, and communicate with you these private printers do not yeah well they're private printers yeah they're under government contract but they were at the show to kind of promote well, that and and they well we back up a little didn't. bit government contract the post office is technically quasi-government yes. so 
they're not they don't the post office doesn't answer to us and they don't answer to us whereas the bureau of engraving and printing was a government agency so they do answer to us still is no yeah <laughs> yeah if you have a hundred dollar bill that's misprinted they'll talk to you uh ashton potter not so much Oh, and I have to go back because in printing terms, we said blue and red. I think the correct would be cyan and magenta. Yes. Yeah, also just, just, as, just a note, as a guy who used to work at the printing industry. Yeah. Cyan, magenta, and yellow can be, along with black, can be mixed together to make every single shade of every single color. Yes. That's why it's four color printing. Yeah, CMYK. Yep. Um, although some stamps are printed with more than four colors sometimes you have the stamps that are printed with gold or they use a special color for some reason so some of them may have five or even six or seven colors in them well sometimes you have the uh actually quite often you'll have an engraved and a lithograph of the same color and that's how like the uh boston tea party stamp is missing part of its black but not the other part of its black because it's missing like the engraved black but not the lithograph black or vice versa. Right. Because there's actually both varieties, right? Yep. There's missing black litho and missing black engraved. Right. So in these printers, the transfer belt has a wiper blade, and if it develops a defect or has a material under it, then it will cause streaking. Usually these would have been removed as printer's waste and the blade cleaned of whatever was causing the mark. It was made on the first black printer, and that is why it is under the phosphorescent coating. So that is what you have. Yeah. And yeah, the B stamp, there's also other varieties of it, not just this. Uh, there's ones where, again, there's two blacks. There's an engraved black and a lithograph. Excuse me. An en- there is an engraved black and a litho black. The 25 cent is printed in one printing plate and the B is printed in another printing plate. So you have examples where the B is missing, but you still have the black ink of the 25 cents. You also have horribly placed B's up and down and left and right and everything like that. Yeah, you have a picture of what looks like the fast B. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the B is way off to the right. A speed B. Yeah, that, that's coined from the uh, Pan American issue where you have fast trains and fast boats when the uh, train or the boat, the center of the stamp, is way off-centered to the left or the right. And then you'd also have like a slow train or a slow boat if it was the other direction. That variety should be escaping murder hornet. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. He's running away. Well, my... Uh, one of my mains in World of Warcraft is named Murder Wasp. Don't care. <laughs> He's level 60. He just got a Don't new care. shield. <laughs> he has Don't two, care. He has two swords. <laughs> Don't care. Farming Zulgrub. Has nothing to do with stamps. <sighs> well, a, they were talking about it's under the tagging of the stamp. Um, we've discussed tagging, but you want to go over that real quick, Scott, to tell people what they're missing out on for what the tagging. Yeah. Tagging. Tagging is just a colorless 
ink that reacts to ultraviolet light. It's used, it's either mixed in with the paper uh, when the paper's made, or it can be applied as an ink. And uh, it's used in the, in the stamps so that when you place a stamp on an envelope, uh, the automatic facing and canceling machines know which direction to face the envelope to apply the cancel so that it cancels the stamp. Because otherwise you'll have a, an envelope go through upside down and the stamp never gets canceled so it can be reused. Well, they don't like that. So, yeah. Also, I heard... Just, in, just, in, just put your stamp in the middle of the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> I heard there was an interesting thing. That would confuse it. Stamps now, instead of being printed with a uh, phosphorescent coating, they have a lenticular coating put on top of them. And that's for counterfeiting purposes because, you know, you have microprint. Lots of microprint on a stamp. It usually just says USPS and it's all over the place. If you photocopy a stamp, that microprint won't transfer through the coating. And so you won't be able to photocopy a stamp with the security printing. Now, the other side is, you know, okay, are they actually going to look for fake stamps now? But I have heard that they are doing that on especially the high-value stamps uh, to prevent uh, counterfeiting. I think it's more to discourage it because... You can't really prevent it all. You can make them work harder at it, yeah. and most counterfeiters won't. Yeah. That's just it. That's actually, you bring up microprinting, and it's one of the things in the catalog nowadays with the modern stamps that actually drives me insane, that you'll have three different entries for the same stamp because three different companies printed it, and they all put the microprinting in a different freaking place. Yeah. Or worse so. yet, they put it in the same place, but it's just a slightly different size. Yeah. <laughs> Some letters are capitalized and others aren't. Yeah. No, I mean, that, dri that drives things. me insane. It's like, really? Well, that's like they put the date on the bottom. I mean, it's like a 1989, and this company will use black ink, and this company will use red ink, and this company will use brown ink. Well, those are easy to tell. Yeah. But, I mean, if, if one company uses black ink and the other company uses, oh, let's say black ink, <laughs> yeah. but it's just slightly bolder or slightly a different size. I mean, it, it is getting ridiculous. This, these, these variations in the modern printings between different printers are, are essentially like the fly-specking of 19th century stamps, except for these are truly different yeah. stamps. Whereas the stuff from the 19th century, all they all just came off of, all the a lot of them came off the same printing plates, just because of the way they were entered. I guarantee you, in 25 years, first of all, the either a nobody will care, or b this will be the thing. Well, yeah, because the older stamps are going to get more valuable as more collectors get in. So, you know, I've already seen this with U.S. number 11s that I used to collect. I'd be able to pick up a U.S. number 11 for like 50 cents to a dollar. And now they're five bucks. Well, if I was 20 again, trying to find them for five bucks each, I wouldn't be able to afford them because I wasn't making enough money. So what would I be collecting? I would be collecting something else. And this is a perfect opportunity for people to collect inexpensive stamps and look for varieties. Well, I, I think this is why you see an explosion of interest in postal history for the Prexies and, and even the Liberties. 
um, it's because the older stuff, A, is either unavailable, too pricey, or it's locked up in somebody's collection and has been for the last 30 years. Yeah. And so since it's not available and people want to, they want to do the, do research and they want to find something interesting. So what's out there? Stamp collecting is always and will always be a treasure hunting collecting interest. You want to find the interesting stuff. I mean, I have, I had a cover that I recently sold that I think I paid less than a dollar for and it was a prexy i mean I, I bought a box a box lot and it was in there and i didn't figure it for anything it was just a prexy on cover well <clears throat> that was maybe 15 20 years ago that i bought it <laughs> well guess what in the meantime prexy postal history collecting has become a big thing and they've added stuff to the catalog for certain solo usages and guess what i had a solo usage on on a very nice clean cover and it was one of the higher unusual values and uh you know i i got a couple hundred dollars for it yeah i've seen like it started about 15 20 years ago but over about the last five years the value of prexies varieties has skyrocketed whereas you know the average stamp you know, the $5 well, not, stamp, maybe you'll have to pay a couple bucks for, and the $2, after the $1, you know, you're talking about kind of nickel stamps. Unless you're collecting plate blocks. I mean, even <clears throat> even there are shades, and some there are later uh, different printings that you can tell by the shades, but most people don't collect the shades. They just want one of each. Well, from the $0.01 cent to, I'd say, the $0.20, cent, even plate blocks, is discount postage. A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are these cheap things scattered in with these incredibly rare, interesting, valuable things that people are looking for. I've I've seen people start to collect things like plate number singles. Mm -hmm. um, they'll pick a single issue and want to get all of the plate blocks for that issue. Yep. Um, well, the 20 Center has a plate that is incredibly rare. And so, you know, a normal 20 cent plate block, you know, you might, you might have to pay slightly over face. But this one plate number is incredibly rare and it sells for hundreds of dollars. And I don't remember what it is. To I've the right buyer. See, most people wouldn't care. If you want a plate block, you just get a plate block. They wouldn't care about the plate number. But yeah. to that one collector that either wants one of each plate number or has to have that or for whatever reason, then, yeah, they're going to end up paying up for it. Yeah, except it, it's more than one collector because just one collector, the prices wouldn't go up. You need at least two. Well, the Prexies, the Prexies have a whole study group oh, yeah. with the APS. So yeah. um, there are a lot of collectors out there now that collect Prexies. Yep. So uh, some of the other errors that uh, were printed and are interesting, in my opinion, the one is the Copa, the uh, overrun countries, Korea. You mean Corpa. Corpa. And uh, the Korea was, what was it, damaged or something? Uh, it's the, a consistent the e was error. Dam the E was damaged and... Uh, um, 
Yeah. So the part of the part of the E broke off and made, it's made not, the yeah. E look like a P. Because it's not just this one. There are, I think, five stamps that have various little defects in the wording. But this one has an actual change in the letter where it, it's... Well, it's because the little piece broke off. Yeah. And it got stuck. And then it came off. Yeah. The plate. So you have you have different states of it. I mean, there are other flaws like the uh, Susan B. Anthony where there's one position on one plate where they forgot to put the P after the B or the period after the B. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And it's interesting because it, you can, if you collect the plate block, it's position 100. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's, you can find it if you're looking through plate blocks. Well, that's the, also the six cent, uh, Olympic stamp and it has the rings yeah, and but, one of the rings is yeah, half. Yeah, but that one's not in a plate block. No, that that is true. Yeah. See, that there, one you there's have to certain ones. For. Certain ones. The Washington Bicentennials have a lot of different um, plate flaws. And two of them in the plate different, block. Different double transfers. Yeah. yeah. And some of them have them in the in the plate blocks. So yeah. they're e- easier to find that way, but it's not as fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's interesting, though. And then you well, obviously you have double printings, you have paper folds, you have missing ink. Uh, a lot of this stuff got gets caught nowadays because we have electric eyes that, you know, go through and zap everything and make sure that it's uh, all up to standard. But before, I'd say, 1970, you find a lot of plate errors. I don't know about that. If you can print... Uh, was it four and a half kilometers of yeah. stamps in 30 minutes? <laughs> that goes by pretty quick. They don't catch everything. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I mean, how many how many issues in the last 20 years have we seen with die cutting omitted yeah. or with a color omitted? They they get through regularly. Yeah. And the, the private printing companies don't like to admit it, but they do. Well, I'd like to change the subject for just a moment. Are we going to talk about paper colors on postal stationery? Yes, we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> this is wait. something because uh, Jeff was here yesterday, and he was on the last podcast. And the day before. And the day before. And uh, he was talking about, you guys have to mention how people ship their stamps. Because uh, he bought an item on eBay. And it was packaged so that he couldn't remove it from the packaging. And I wish he was here to talk about it, but I'll tell you my story. Well, I've got plenty of stories on that. Uh, I had I got a uh, Indian number. I forget whether there was a number three or a number four. Um, but it was, it, it's a normal size stamp imperforated. And it was between two pieces of cardboard that then were taped with like about four layers of tape. And I worked really hard because I didn't want to damage the stamp to try to get it out. And I got two of the edges off and then I bent back the top so I could see the stamp. And then I pulled the stamp out and the tape had caught the stamp and I ended up destroying the stamp. Literally, not even tearing it in half. I tore it into like four pieces. As I recall... And I, I saw you had it here in the office when you were doing that. As I recall, the packaging 
was basically the size of the stamp. Yeah, there was nothing. There was there were there was no way that the stamp there were any room around the stamp where you could avoid damaging it. And so, I mean, you need to have when you package a stamp, you have to have area. It's not like like the crystal mounts where the, where the stamp just exactly fits in there and and they're so pain in the ass to get out of the mount um, or the old PM mounts are that way. Oh. Yeah, I, I I mean you need to have room around the stamp so that in at at worst you can cut one side off and then kind of open it up and pull the stamp out the one side. You cannot package something the same size as the item you're shipping. Yeah. I I realize it's tough if you're shipping an entire sheet of stamps or something because they're hard to package no, larger items. No, this was items. an individual stamp. No, but I think Jeff's yeah. item was a, a full sheet. Oh, okay. Or a full pane. But uh, but still, you need to package bigger than the item yeah. so that the item can float a little bit and and the, the buyer can get it out without damaging the item. Yeah, Mark, how do you ship your stuff? Uh, for items under 60, I ship in a number 10 envelope. I'll, I'll put the stamp in a, uh, in a 102 card, and I'll put the 102 card inside of a black card, the plastic black card, and I'll, not, I'll tape that to a stiffener of some type Will and you? then put it in the envelope. And then for well, items over 60, um, I, uh, if it's a used stamp, I'll, I'll put it in a glassine. Otherwise, I'll, I'll do the same thing as, as, the, as the other and then tape it to a piece of cardboard. And then I sandwich it between two pieces of cardboard uh, as a, and send it as a first-class package. Yeah, I do a little different. I don't use cardboard. I will use a stiffener, which is a printed thing. And if you open it up, then it has my name and address and everything on it. But it's printed on a cardstock. Mm-hmm. So instead of using a cardboard, I'll fold this cardstock into, you know, when you just fold it up into three pieces to fit it in an envelope, uh, it gets incredibly stiff. Mm-hmm. And so it per, uh, protects things. But I just put the stamps in a glassine envelope. Yeah. I mean, I this. Well, a lot of times that's just fine um, if you're only shipping one or two or three stamps. Um, as long as they don't fall out of the glassine or the card or whatever is inside. Well, falling out of a glassine is near impossible. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're thin enough and they it. It bends, and as, unless it's a brittle item, you're, you're, it's not going to get damaged. Um, but I usually try to protect it a little bit because you never know what something might poke the poke the envelope and, yeah. and uh, damage the stamp inside. So, um, or when a truck might run over it, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. or when the post office might destroy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, the yeah. post office is supposed to keep the mail safe from getting wet, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. So you gotta. I mean, keep when that you're when you're out there delivering the mail in the rain, you know, it, there is one a point where yeah. it, you know it has to go from the truck to the mailbox, and it can get damp. So you do have to kind of think that. Well, you know, they do a pretty good job. But if though. you sandwich it in cardboard, that's usually plenty protected enough. Mm-hmm. The water doesn't get through. No. Yeah, yeah. Mint stamps. I definitely use the plastic black cards. Uh, as a, as a, as an inner protection. Yeah, if if I'm worried about it, then I'll I'll use the uh, the clear sleeve over the yeah. black card too. Right, and then I can tape that shut. I then... used uh, a person wrote me and said uh, I, I I sold a it was a postcard, 
and he said, I don't want it to get it damaged. Uh, can you ship it in bubble wrap? Oh, that's the worst. And I said, well, I'll, I'll make sure that it doesn't get damaged, you know. So, so then I used a piece of cardboard and stuff like that. But bubble wrap is... We've, <laughs> we've gotten packages here at PSE that, that come in bubble wrap, and I just scratch my head. Why are these people... These, because bubble wrap is soft. and Oh. It, I mean, things can get damaged very easily in bubble wrap. Bubble when wrap. When you're talking paper, paper items inside bubble wrap. Bubble wrap is only slightly better than nothing at all. I mean, it, it is... I would say that it's... Uh, slightly worse. Slightly worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, Very much a false sense of security. Yep. Yep. Well, yesterday we were at... Uh, me and Becca and Scott were at a uh, auction here at our stamp club. And uh, I got... I, Becca beat me out on an envelope... And it was kind of tattery, but it was held up in a nice glass scene and everything to keep it together. And, well, why don't you tell them about the cover? <laughs> so the envelope was a letter from someone at San Quentin to the sheriff of the local county. And I don't have all my research here that I did last night, but I actually researched who the sheriff was and... <laughs> that the warden at the time was a um, reform warden who wanted to reform the prison system. Yeah, and uh, it, it was a bit tattery, but oddly you know, if you put it in a good envelope, it stays together. Oddly enough, I have one just like that. I don't know if it's to the same town sheriff, but it's exactly, it's from San Quentin <clears throat> and it's to the sheriff. And then it has the town at the bottom. And uh, just like the one that you got, Mine looks like it was also pulled out of a fire. The, <laughs> the top of it is is a little bit singed. It does look like that, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have I have another one that I I just got a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was told. Anyway, it, it's I set it aside for somebody I know that collects uh, prison related material. But considering it's that old, it's not all that bad. I mean, it's yeah. from. No, it's turn, turn of the century. And, and it's a cool usage. It's got a Pan-American one-cent stamp on it, as, as does mine. It may have been mailed at the same time. Yeah. Well, I got a, uh, it's like a, I don't know, what, what would you call a card that has like stamps on it like this? Well, it, it's a membership card. Yeah, it's a membership card. It, it looks sort of like a. Um, Almost like a postal savings card. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. what I was it's thinking an, about. It's an, Nazi like folio or yeah this is this is uh from the 1937 Germany and it's got a Nazi uh hand stamp on it and everything like that and uh there was a person named uh Herrick who is at the club and he was selling it and I said okay Herrick tell me what it is and I'll buy it and so he told me what it is and basically if you were a Nazi if you were a member of the Nazi party you paid 30 fennings a month, and you got a stamp, and they recorded it on the card here. This was in addition to your dues. This was a fund that you could like join as a worker or right. something like that, that you didn't necessarily have to be a party member? Mm, he said you did. did he you? said this is for party members. Beca yeah. Because I have an identification book, and they actually had to pay party dues. Yeah. Which was different from that. So this right here, you had to pay 30 fennec a month, 
which was at the time the equivalent of 75 cents a month, which modified for inflation today is $13.56 a month. So if anybody asks you, what did it take to be a Nazi? It took $163 a year in today's dollars. Yeah, but and 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 this particular card was like it, it was like a a welfare fund. Yeah, where if if you were a member of the group and you fell on hard times, they would help you out with food and and right. shelter and things like that. And this uh, guy paid for five months. So either after five months, he decided not to be a Nazi. Or he decided that it wasn't worth the 163 bucks a year. Uh, my guess is he probably uh, stopped breathing. <laughs> well, no, this is 1937, so no. no I thought he said it was 39. No, 37. So he uh, he. That doesn't mean he didn't stop breathing. <laughs> that's that's probably true. But yeah, I, I after I heard the story, I said, okay, I got to get this. Also. Um, me and Becca are always on Facebook, go on Facebook, look for, uh, cash Brafus PSE or more, or a better, uh, places, uh, the virtual stamp club. And I will put pictures of this up there so that everybody can see it. Cause it is a rather interesting item. And Becca, you should put your, uh, San Quentin cover up too. show people that I will. And by the way, that Nazi thing that you went after. I was interested in it, too. I decided to let you have that one. (laughs) Okay, well, then I'm glad I let you have the San Quentin cover. (laughs) Up here is Albert. So, Albert, what were you doing? I was bidding for a client in the uh, Erevan sale that's still going on. We purchased purchased, uh, lot number one for $5,000. And lot number three for $13,000. Oh. So you auction agented for, auction agented for them. Right. Good. So I bought two provisional, I bought a Buchanan and I bought a uh, Brattleboro, which was exciting because I haven't handled a Brattleboro in 25 years. Well, great. Ironically, it was the last wheel sale at Christie's that I bought one. Well, I do want to bring up something just because I think that it is um, interesting from who is doing it. And there are there is a thing now that's coming out called crypto stamps. Has anybody here heard about these? Crypto stamps are supposed to be like cryptocurrency, like bitcoins. And what it is, is if I'll show everybody here at the picture, but you can't see it. Basically think of a lottery ticket has the little scratch off section. Well, this has a stamp sort of printed on it and then two scratch off areas and the scratch off areas have numbers in them. So you can confirm the numbering like what Bitcoin does, except they do it on the computer. Well, I think that this is kind of ironic because they're doing these crypto stamps, which personally, I don't see how they're crypto. Do you put them on your email? Well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I said your email. Um, second thing is it's put out by the United Nations. And not speaking badly about the United Nations, 
which I have a great deal of disdain for. Um, they don't even use stamps. I mean, you can't use UN stamps. So now they're trying to do what? Use crypto stamps. I have heard of crypto stamps coming out from places, but basically what I have been seeing is they're more like uh, reply cards. But the, these are these are gimmicky that I am. Uh, they uh, they cost seven pounds, or excuse me, they cost seven euros. This is one that I think you can very easily save your money on. Anyway, yeah. just wanted to bring that up before we hit. Uh, I didn't know we had a modern S. Allen Taylor in the office. <laughs> Well, shall we get started on uh, postal stationery cover colors? Ah, yes. I brought my whole collection. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Uh, Tom, how much time do you have left? I had to do postal stationery this week, and I don't have information on color varieties because we've been putting it off for like six months. <laughs> next week? Yeah, okay. We'll hit it next week. Oh, darn it. <laughs> we need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including postal stationary color varieties. <laughs> you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS number if you are a member, because we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our address is P.O. Box 539-309, Henderson, Nevada, 89053. You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 284. This was Tom. This was Cash. This was Scott. This was Mark. This was Albert. This was Becca. This was who? (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Collecting happens when we dream together.